0: So, hi, I'm Alison Braddock, SIUC Veterinary Services, and I'm your host in this On The Hoof podcast series. And we will be looking at clostridial disease, um, particularly with reference to this time of year. Hello, Colin, and welcome.
1: Hi. Hi there. How are you doing?
0: I'm very well, thank you. So, clostridial disease. Um, just to recap, what actually is clostridial disease?
1: thanks for that question because clostridial disease covers a, actually a huge range of different disease presentations um, that can occur in, in cattle, in sheep, in goats, in pigs, um, other species as well, theoretically. Um, uh, and you know it covers a whole spectrum of different disease presentations. And for today's uh, discussion, I wanted to really focus on Two of the more common ones that we see at this time of year, um, which would be uh, blackleg and black's disease. Um, And maybe just focus on those two, um, particularly affecting cattle, but but also uh, not uncommonly affecting sheep as well.
0: So, Colin, what actually causes black's disease and blackleg?
1: Yeah, so clostridial organisms in general are firstly, they're bacteria. Um, secondly they are what we call anaerobic bacteria uh, which grow in an environment that lacks oxygen Um, uh, and they're very common in the environment Uh, so you will see these organisms pretty much everywhere in the environment potentially Uh, they can survive for long periods of time in the environment and particularly soil and organic matter is is where you would find these organisms Uh, so you know, in any soil sample or in any, um, you know, environmental sample, you would probably likely to find clostridia. Um, uh, they're very, very common. Uh, and the two organisms that we're particularly talking about here, um, Clostridium chauvii, which uh, causes black leg, and Clostridium novii, which causes Black's disease. Um, and certain things, perhaps just from a practical point of view, that make the risk higher in the environment will be um, bringing soil to the surface, so um, ditching or draining and these sorts of things. If there's been earthworks in a field which has brought soil that's perhaps been buried deeper down back to the surface, uh, then that can potentially be risky. Um, And also muddier conditions, so in fields that are perhaps a bit more poached Uh, because of wet weather and we've certainly had plenty of that of late uh, that can increase the risk as well. Um, So these are two things that we need to bear in mind and traditionally at least we would perhaps see more diagnoses of clostridial disease in the west of scotland and indeed in the west of england than we would in the east of scotland or the east of england and that's perhaps thought that um it's actually you know the climate is wetter in the west than it is the east which gives us the conditions that might allow the organisms to be available to the cattle to be eaten by the cattle if, if you like and um Uh, muddy conditions is certainly something that would cause that that said uh, the disease presentation can present anywhere in the UK Uh, and actually as we speak right now uh, certain areas of the east coast of England and Scotland have had far more rain than the west so uh, it's something that we all need to be aware of.
0: That's really interesting so what are you actually seeing in the PM room Colin?
1: So, you know, one of the reasons for maybe just doing this quick podcast was we've certainly in the last month seen uh, an increased number of black leg cases in RPM room. Uh, and I would suspect that that would perhaps mirror what vets are also seeing in practice as well. Uh, so that's something that we we have seen more of, of late.
0: So looking at these two presentations, um, what symptoms would you expect to see in the animals?
1: Yeah, well, that's, That's quite interesting and that's quite varied in that um, very commonly these diseases present as an acute sudden death um, uh, and unexpected animal found dead uh, very often um, at grass but not exclusively so so it can happen in house cattle or house sheep as well as cattle or sheep at grass so, sudden deaths, uh, and, and one other thing just to say about unexplained sudden deaths is uh, for, for vets in practice, is, is potentially the need to rule out anthrax and do an anthrax examination uh, to rule out that possibility before we do any PM examinations. Um, these animals can present alive, though, and, and sometimes do. And, and with blackleg, for example, you may see um, an enlarged, very, very swollen area of muscle. Um, you know, hence the hence the name, black leg. Uh, so usually that will be skeletal muscle, but not exclusively so. And I'll perhaps come back to that in a second. So uh, muscle enlargement will be one. Um, if you ever see any animals alive with either of these two conditions, they're usually very, very sick, um, very, very toxemic. So they might have, you know, very, very, very red mucous membranes in the eye, um, uh, and they would usually have a very, very high temperature Black's disease, interestingly enough, again, it can present either as a sudden death or as an acutely ill, very, very sick animal. Uh, and sometimes uh, you see sort of actual a swelling um, underneath uh, either the jaw or down the neck. Um, uh, and sometimes you can hear, see a sort of swelling or even a slight whitening to the surface of the eye as well, um, uh, or a swelling around the eye. Uh, and um that sort of subcutaneous, that under the skin swelling that you see um, can be a, a feature of Black's disease and the toxins that the organism produces uh, that actually causes the animal to be sick. So uh, whilst I would say the majority of these cases present as sudden deaths, uh, there will be some that present as acutely ill, sick animals that usually almost exclusively don't respond to treatment unfortunately so even if they're seen alive uh, and get treated they're unlikely to respond to treatment and usually unfortunately go on to die Um, the other things I suppose is what we see at post-mortem so these are the things that we would see in our PM rooms but equally well um, they might be seen if PMs are done by vets in the field Um, and firstly with black leg, the thing to remember is, is that, in theory, any muscle can be affected in the body. Um, usually it's skeletal muscle, and usually what you see um, is <coughs> um, muscle that is very, very dark, black in colour, um, uh, usually very, very dry, um, very often with small gas bubbles seen within the muscle tissue. So, you know, a marked change from normal muscle tissue. Uh, and you can see that in skeletal muscles you can see that um, in the tongue you could see that um, in any of the muscle systems throughout the body theoretically and we do actually occasionally see this um, in, in a form that we would call cardiac black leg uh, where we see it affecting the heart muscle and usually in that situation again you see a blackening of the muscle uh, you also see a um a pericarditis so an inflammatory response around the heart uh, and usually an awful lot of toxic change hemorrhage blood splashing etc in that area so uh, it can present in in various ways and in various forms and sometimes actually uh, the more subtle lesions can be quite small and can be quite hard to find the easy ones are easy to find the smaller ones are smaller to find and harder to find and then for black's disease um the pathology that we're looking for um, affects the liver um, and usually I always think you can feel these lesions before you can almost see them in that they feel hard. They can sometimes be quite small um, and it's basically a, a pale white area of um, liver damage surrounded by a, a sort of a zone of hemorrhage um, and, and sometimes they may just be a sort of 10pp-sized lesion that you see. Uh, but from that area, um, you get leakage of toxins from the organism. And it's those toxins that go on and make the animal acutely ill and ultimately make the animal die.
0: That's That sounds pretty horrible, Colin. I mean, what can be done to treat the disease?
1: Yeah, well, unfortunately, treating is difficult uh, because Either they they present as dead or they go on very quickly to die. So actually, um, uh, treatment is usually ineffective, unfortunately. So we're we're focusing entirely on prevention. Uh, And there are a range of things that we can do to prevent this disease. Um, Perhaps to start with, we've got to think about how the organisms get to where they're going to cause damage and, and what might cause these animals actually to get the disease in the first place because in reality there's probably fairly universal exposure of cattle and sheep to these organisms and thankfully not all of them die um, so there are some things to think about if we go back to our understanding of the organisms which is that they like an oxygen-free environment an anaerobic environment um, so take for that an example Uh, in the liver with Black's disease, what you probably need to have is an area of pre-existing liver damage um, that might cause an interruption of blood supply to an area of the liver that allows those conditions to then occur, that causes the organisms to proliferate and uh, causes the disease to then take take hold. So an example for that with the liver might be um, managing uh, the the risk of liver fluke as a possible cause of uh, liver damage and and keeping that well under control. Also managing the the rumen environment um, and reducing the risk of the organisms um, getting from the rumen to the liver uh, and also the risk of, of associated liver damage, perhaps from uh, rumenitis and acidosis and those sorts of things. So there's certainly some risks there. Similarly um, for the black leg muscle conditions. Anything that's going to cause muscle damage uh, might be something that could then set off a black leg lesion. So that's the sort of things that we're trying to avoid: is is, is muscle damage and trauma. So. As an example of that, it's not proven, but there's certainly plenty of vets that recognise that um, introduction of creep feeders might be a risk for suckled calves at grass. Um, Obviously, there's lots of advantages to creep feeders, but if animals are banging themselves against creep feeders or perhaps competing around creep feeders to get access to the feed, uh, then that potentially could be a risk uh, in terms of giving you some muscle damage. Uh, and then giving you an increased risk of blackleg Uh, but these are just examples um, uh, and the evidence base around them is probably not brilliant but you can see see the logic of of trying to ensure that we minimize the risks as much as we can the other big strand of uh, protection however is through vaccination Um, and um, there are a whole range of vaccines available that are very very good uh, and very, very effective at preventing these two types of clostridial disease. Uh, and that really is the cornerstone of, of prevention of this disease and of these disease processes. Um, and I think for any farmer, any it's about realising, A, what the risk is, um, uh, and, and particularly also potentially what the risk of individual fields are, because there are certainly some farms that would recognise that that certain fields might pose a greater risk, uh, and particularly also if there's been some draining or ditching work done that might pose an increased risk. Um, but it's also very, very hard to predict the risk in general. Uh, and, and my argument here is, is that vaccines overall are cheap Relative to a disease risk, which is very, very costly in that the end result is going to be a dead animal. So uh, ensuring that susceptible at risk animals um, are vaccinated for clostridial disease is particularly important. Now, it's not for me to uh, suggest any one vaccine over another. and I'm not going to do that. But uh, the key thing for anybody to remember is to be sure that um, the vaccine does cover both Clostridium novii and Clostridium chovii to ensure that uh, either sheep or cattle are protected uh, to make sure that those organisms are actually included in the vaccines because vaccines do vary. Uh, Some are quite focused on um, uh, a small subset of the Clostridial diseases and others are what we would call much more widely covering the clostridial diseases. So uh, that's the key thing to look out for. Um, Another comment that I would make is I think a lot of farmers, certainly in our area, are well aware of the the blackleg risk, but perhaps less aware of the, uh, the Black's disease risk, uh, which is something that I think we're seeing more commonly over the years. So that's another one to bear in mind as well. So I think the key things that farmers need to remember, and vets obviously do remember and need to remember as well, is, is that uh, uh, it's, it's making sure that the vaccines are covering the right organisms uh, that are a risk. And also that the cattle are fully protected before the higher risk period. Uh, And I would certainly view the higher risk period as late summer and autumn. Uh, uh, Although, again, disease can occur at any time. One final thing to say as well uh, is don't leave these sudden deaths uninvestigated in that uh, obviously black's disease and blackleg are not the only causes of sudden death. But if you have unexpected Uh, acute deaths or indeed any any death in an animal on your farm uh is use that opportunity um which is a you know it's something that's gone wrong but it's an unexpected event uh and use that opportunity to investigate that unexpected event so that you can then work out hopefully what caused it and then what to do about it so that not only applies to clostridial disease but indeed to any disease process so uh key take-home message is, is that if you're experiencing problems then um, get them investigated so that we know what's causing them and then we can work out how best to manage them.
0: Okay Colin thank you for that that's a really useful overview of clostridial disease and the importance of vaccine and, and actually going over and recapping about blackleg and black's disease um, and I hope that our listeners have found it useful too thanks very much. Thank you, Colin.